You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, it's our trade deadline preview show, diving into everything involving the Jets ahead of Monday's big day. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, one more episode and just three days away from the madness officially kicking off in March. Trade deadline day is just around the corner. You know, I, I think the weekend before the deadline should officially be renamed the Duffy Witching Hour because now we see how many big names come off the board before Monday rolls around and there's nothing to talk about at TSN for eight hours. Boy, that that would be rough. You'd hate to see something like that happen to a company like Bell. Oh, well, I, I doubt we see any Winnipeg Jets head out the door until Monday. I, I do think that we see the Jets play the patient card considering this little recent mini surge that they're on by the team. But having said that, you know, now the Jets are staring at a three-point playoff deficit. Thanks to the Stars' comeback win over Montreal. Dallas, three points up, still holding two games in hand as well. So again, a slight chance we see the Jets either in or within striking distance of a playoff spot by Monday. But it really is more realistic to look at it as the Jets have a 10 to 20% playoff chance, depending on which model you look at, as opposed to them being a point or two back of the playoffs, right? Like that that puts things into more of a, a, a realistic sense that, you know what, despite things looking close on NHL.com, when you look at the standings, it really is such a massive, massive mountain for the club to climb. And it, I just don't know how you can realistically bank on a wildcard spot for the team. And you guys know where I stand on this. I, I've been on this for a while now. Even if the Jets do find themselves above the playoff line come Monday, best case scenario, the thought cannot be to hold on to your pending free agents to take an ill-fated run to to a potential postseason spot, right? Like the, the team has just not looked like a contender pretty much all season long, and it would be beyond foolish to miss out on picking up some premium assets for a potential summer reload. Now, I could be wrong on this. I mean, my, my March Madness bracket after day one is evidence of, of that. It's, it's just terrible. But I honestly will be really shocked if we do see Kevin Chevalier up, hold on to both 
Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasny. Could other moves be made? For sure. But just speaking about specifically those two, I, I'm just maybe going off a bit of a gut here, but I, I do think that Kevin Sheveldayoff takes a cold-hearted look at his team and understands that this is going to be in the best interest. And to try to go, you know, again, best-case scenario, the path a la the St. Louis Blues a few years ago, move out some guys or a guy, even though you're in semi-playoff positioning, you take a red at it again next year, and a pissed-off group of players, even though they might be, finds a way to channel that anger, and hey, maybe you grab some hardware because of that. And, you know, on top of it, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. I don't think so, but I don't think it was a coincidence either that both Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasny both stepped in front of the microphones yesterday to speak with the media at the same time. And just given the tone of the conversations and what was said, as well as, you know, the body language, everything surrounding their discussion on Thursday... It looked and sounded to me like two guys who know that they're likely to be wearing new jerseys in a few days' time. So we'll get to a few Jets that could be on the move by Monday's deadline throughout the show here, where everyone could be heading, some predictions, all that. But let's start here with the big fish, and that would obviously be Andrew Cobb. And he had some really interesting comments during his media session yesterday. We'll get to the most intriguing one in just a second. But I, I do want to get to this first clip because it's just too good not to include. A bit of shade as well thrown into it. But here's Andrew Kopp when asked about the Winnipeg Jets turnaround when it comes to the penalty kill this season. I think since we changed our PK going into Seattle, instead of just sitting on our heels and getting our lawn chairs out and sitting there and waiting for them to tee off on us. Got a little aggressive and um, started creating a lot of opportunities, and PK has been really good since then. Meow! <laughs> you think someone wasn't happy with Paul Maurice's PK system? The, the Jets, and you know what? The, a lot of people said this, but the Jets have always had some good shorthanded options when it comes to personnel. I think it's, you know, pretty evident that the system was the thing that needed to be changed. And on top of it, just, you know, the intensity needed to be dialed up a ton. But that's neither here nor there. That has nothing to do with the deadline. Just a fun clip for you guys in case you missed it. This clip here does, though, have something to do with the deadline. And here's Andrew Kopp when asked if he envisioned the year playing out this way going back to last offseason when he ended up signing a one-year deal, taking him into unrestricted free agency. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at the end of last year, I was I was looking at houses around here and I was, uh, you know, preparing to sign a long-term deal and with the acquisitions that were made, uh, turned out to not be given an opportunity for me to do that. So at that point, I kind of knew that uh, it was going to be one more year and then see what happens and didn't envision that I'd be moved at the deadline. Did, uh, envisioned us being in a playoff spot and envisioned us adding to our team, but uh Circumstances are what they are, and um, you know I just want to enjoy the time here while I have it, and try and enjoy an opportunity. Now that I did not know, and I'm not saying Cop is lying. I, I'll definitely take him at his word if if he said he was, you know, just about to sign a long-term deal here with the Winnipeg Jets. But when you look at how he and his agent have have handled his contract situation. It's always looked to me like somebody who had his eye on unrestricted free agency for quite some time. 
On top of that, it's it's really more of a, a seller's market when it comes to Winnipeg real estate right now as opposed to, to buying a house. So, I mean, there's that too, but I, I digress. Interesting nonetheless. But, I, I you know, I do wonder how many Jets fans would have chosen the, the alternate universe where Cop signs a long-term deal, but because of that, you potentially miss out on Dylan and Schmidt in terms of bringing in a few names to, to help solidify the decor. Either way, this universe, though... <laughs> There's no doubt that Cobb will be high, very high, on the wish list of many, many teams at this upcoming deadline. And really, the, the, the big piece of good news the Jets had this past week, thanks to the San Jose Sharks, because after that Tomas Hurdle extension, I think Andrew Cobb is the second most prominent pending UFA forward available behind Claude Giroux. If you look at the options that are out there right now, there really isn't a high-end one outside of Giroux. And, and even with Claude Giroux, he's a, a, a bit of an, a unique case because, you know, he's got that no-move clause and it seems like there's a limited number of teams that can make a reasonable offer for him. So, Cobb's going to bring in a damn good haul for the Jets. And I've maintained for a week or two now that ultimately I think Andrew Cobb brings back first-round value for the Jets, right? Like, you're talking about a middle six forward that can play anywhere in any team's lineup, right? He can be, he, he could supercharge your third line or he can do some of the dirty work as a complimentary piece on the second line at either wing or center. And I think the lack of high-end options around the league helps the Jets a ton in this situation. So where could Andrew Cobb be heading by the time Monday rolls around? You know, I the two most common names I feel like we've heard in this in this whole thing have been Colorado and Boston. And we know the Avs are definitely all in. And with all signs pointing at least to Giroux going to Florida, you could see Colorado going after Cop as kind of the next best option, their, their plan B in this situation. The only thing with Colorado, though, is that they don't have a ton of draft capital left. I, I mean, I think they're out of first-round picks this year and next year as well. Their biggest assets remaining are defensive prospects. Now... It's never the worst thing to have a ton of young blue liners in your system, but is that really what the Jets need more of right now? Right? Like, there's already a logjam with the team, with, you know, Hanel and Sandberg, what went healthy, struggling to find a way to get into the NHL lineup. So is, is that the best route to go if you're the Winnipeg Jets? I, I guess we'll find out on that. I, I don't know. I'm just not sold on the fit with the Avs, but they'll, they'll definitely be in the mix for Andrew Cobb, no doubt. Boston makes a lot of sense, but it seems like they're pushing hard for for a high-end defenseman, doesn't it? Like, they have that hole in their middle six, I would argue even on their second line, a guy to play beside Taylor Hall, but it just feels like they're going, you know, balls to the wall on either a Hampus Lindholm or a Jacob Chikrin. So, again, you wonder if, you know, if Boston is really looking to give up significant assets for a guy like Hop when they might prefer to give up some premium assets for a top four defenseman. So if it's not those two teams, who could ultimately pull the trigger on an Andrew Cobb deal? Well, my prediction is going to be that he doesn't head to Colorado and he doesn't head to Boston. But there is a team that's kind of quietly been waiting in the weeds over the last little bit. And I think this team takes the plunge. And that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have been awfully quiet, too quiet over the last few weeks, haven't they? And 
I don't know about you guys, but I just don't see Tampa Bay sitting on their hands with a potential three-peat staring them right in the face, right? I mean, they've obviously been aggressive in the past couple of seasons, and it's paid off for them. Plus, there's an opening right now on Tampa Bay's third line. I mean, he's not, Cops not, there's no one really going to take over what they have at the top six right now with the Lightning. But I'm just not buying that the Bolts go into the postseason with a third line of Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, and Corey Perry. I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. And I think Tampa Bay, my prediction will be that Tampa Bay swoops in as the mystery team of the Andrew Cobb sweepstakes gives up their first round pick and they hope that Andrew Cobb can be their Blake Coleman 2.0 as they chase another Stanley Cup. I mean, let me know what you think about that. Is Andrew Cobb heading to Tampa Bay, Boston, Colorado? What do you think the price is going to be? All that stuff. Would love to know all this when it comes to the Jets and the trade deadline. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plate Pod. Now, who else goes where? Stasny, Dylan, maybe another name or two who could come into Winnipeg. We'll get to all that in just a sec, but before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings with a huge deal available for you guys as DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All you got to do is this. If you're a new customer to DraftKings, you bet just $1 on any NHL team and you get $150 in free bets if you win. Super simple, super easy, super beneficial. And remember, too, if Sportsbook isn't available where you live just yet, huge cash prizes are up for grabs with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. Check out the show notes for details. All right, so we've tackled Andrew Kopp. It's time to move on to the next biggest name available from the Winnipeg Jets, and obviously that's Paul Stasny. And it's really tough to make a prediction on this because when you look at the playoff teams right now that are locks to go to the dance, it, it's almost easier to say who isn't going to take a run at acquiring Paul Stasny. I mean, if you look out east, if Florida acquires Claude Giroux, and especially after grabbing Ben Chirot, which we'll get to later on, I think that takes Florida out of the runnings for Paul Stasny. Tampa Bay is an option for either Cop or Stasny, but I don't see them grabbing both of those players from the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Boston is definitely going to be in the mix. I think even Washington as well, despite them being in the final wildcard spot. Out West, I don't I don't think St. Louis is a realistic option. I mean, you have the history there with the Blues trading him while at a playoff spot, but I think the Blues have a pretty damn deep forward group. And I think Calgary's out too, just because, I mean, they've they've apparently made their moves up front with Toffoli and, and Cali Yarncroak in the mix. I guess you could throw Nashville and, and maybe even Dallas in there as well. You know, I, I wonder if... I wonder if the Jets do potentially move Stasny to somebody inside their own division, but specifically those two teams there. I just I don't know if either of those clubs are going to be buyers at the trade deadline, but that leaves about like eight teams that could all be realistic options to go after Paul Stasny for. And and I guess this is where we get into the price here for Stasny. What could Paul Stasny bring back? I think a second round pick sounds fair, doesn't it? 
I mean, it's not going to be an early <laughs> second round pick by any of these teams, right? So you're talking about, in all actuality, much closer to a third round pick in value. You know, and, and for a guy that's been pretty damn productive this season, not not the, the Stasny of, you know, five years ago, but a guy that's going to be 40, 50 points for you, has a ton of the intangibles teams love at this time of year and can play either on the wing or down the middle. Hey, I, I think a second-round pick is a fair ask from the Winnipeg Jets in that situation. I guess a prediction on this? I, I kind of like the New York Rangers that take the plunge here. I, I think Pittsburgh, too, is a very viable option. I know that's what Tyson said uh, a few episodes back when we had him on about where Paul Stasny could end up. But I the Rangers seem like a really, really good fit here. I, I think they might kick the tires on Andrew Kopp as well. But I think Stasny's a better fit than Andrew Kopp, mainly when it comes to price. I, I just don't know if the New York Rangers are going to give up a first-round pick for a rental forward this season. I think they'd give up their first-round pick for somebody with term, but when it comes to a pending UFA, it, it just it makes more sense that for them to give up a second or, or whatever else might be thrown into there for a guy like Paul Stasny. And then they can keep all their, their big premium assets for next season when they might feel like they're better equipped to take a run through the Metro Division gauntlet. So I, I want to say that Paul Stasny heads out to the New York Rangers, and I think we see the return as a second-round pick. I'll tell you what, I feel I feel a little more confident about Stasny getting a second-round pick than I do about Andrew Kopp getting a first-round pick. I think he's worth that. I, I do wonder if teams look at the Cali Yarncroke trade and, and try to pigeonhole the Jets into that as their asking price, you know, a second and a third-round pick as opposed to just one pick being a first-rounder. We'll see how that plays out. I do I do feel really confident. I, I think I'd, I'd put some money on Paul Stasny getting a second-round pick for the Jets. It would be gravy if they could add an extra pick on top of that, but I think a realistic fair trade for both sides would be a second-round pick for Paul Stasny. That pretty much does it for pending pending free agents for the Jets, right? I mean, Nathan Beaulieu's the other one, but I think his injury, you know, even if he is scheduled to come back later on this season, I mean, we haven't really heard a whole lot about that. I, I just don't really see a team giving up even, you know, a seventh-round pick for that. So I, I think those are the two... For sure names we see the Jets move on from when it comes to the trade deadline. Now, there are potential moves to be made for the Winnipeg Jets with players that have term that are still on the team. Now, when it comes to forwards, you know, you move Stasny, you move Cop, do you move anybody else? I, I, I don't necessarily see that. That would be maybe one too many holes to ship out if you're the Winnipeg Jets at this point. I mean, I, I do wonder about the future of a guy like Christian Veselainen who clearly is not going to be, you know, even a third-line player at the NHL level. Do you keep him around as a fourth-line option? I, I mean, that that remains to be seen. Maybe that's a change of scenery move coming up this uh, upcoming offseason. But I don't, I don't anticipate any other forwards heading out the door from Winnipeg when it comes to the trade deadline. We'll, we'll save that for the offseason. But on the blue line, there are a decent amount of names that I think we could see shipped out, even at this trade deadline, never mind the offseason. And, and to me, the big one has to be Brandon Dillon. I mean, look, both Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt came in this offseason to help solidify the defense, which I think they, they did to a point, but it's become pretty evident that this isn't going to be anything other than a average to below average defense core, right? Like it's 
it's just not going to be good enough when it comes to trying to get to the level that teams like Colorado, Florida, Tampa, etc., etc., are at with their groups, right? Like the, the Jets just need to find a little bit more, whether it's, you know, opening up space for prospects or opening up space to grab a no doubt about it number one defenseman. So Brendan Dillon is going to be a name that's, I, I think, talked about a lot here. I think I think the Jets would like to move Nate Schmidt, in all honesty. I just don't think there's a market for him at the deadline. I think the basically $6 million cap hit is just going to be too much for teams. And I think that's just a deal that's a lot more palatable in the offseason when teams have a little bit more cap space and maybe a little bit more of an appetite to try to to shake up their rosters. So, so Brendan Dillon is kind of that sweet spot where... He's got term. The cap hit's not very cumbersome at all for, you know, a number four defenseman, a four or a five, depending on which team he goes to, making, you know, just under four million. And he brings that all-important, for GMs at least, he brings that all-important physical nasty element to the game as well. So he would be a desirable asset for a number of teams. And maybe you're a little more enticed to move a guy like Brandon Dillon once he saw the return for Ben Sherrod, right? Like a first, a fourth, and a prospect. All of a sudden, if you're if you're Kevin Sheffield Dayoff, maybe you're starting to, uh, you know, throw a couple calls around the league and say, "Hey, anybody want a, a six foot four, two hundred thirty pound D man with term? If you like Ben Sherrod, how about a, a, another Ben Sherrod? But you can have him for a couple more years at under four million dollars, right? So." It might not be a bad time for Chevy to to sell high on Brendan Dillon. If if that's what teams are looking for, and that, that seems to be in vogue across the NHL, maybe maybe now's the time and, and you can recoup the assets you paid to get Brendan Dillon, right? I, I think it's I think it's reasonable for the Jets to potentially get two second round picks back for a guy like Brendan Dillon with the amount of time left on his contract here. I mean, hey, if you don't and you get a second round pick, whatever it is, I don't know necessarily what the return on a Brendan Dillon trade might look like for the Jets, but I think it's one of those ones where you would still get something back and something that can help you out. In an H. Schmidt trade, I think the Jets might have to give up an asset to move him out. So that's the nice thing about a Dillon deal is that there's the potential for the Winnipeg Jets to still extract a decent amount of value there. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be just a contender that makes this move, right? Like I've mentioned the Ottawa Senators before as a team short on blue liners that could use a guy like Brendan Dillon. Maybe even a team like the Buffalo Sabres, for example, could use a guy like Brendan Dillon as, as maybe a bit of a a safety option for, for Rasmus Dahlin. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's, there's just a number of teams that could use a guy like that that don't necessarily have the logjam that the Winnipeg Jets do, especially when it comes to to left-handed defensemen. So Dylan is a name. I mean, I don't know if you could put a percentage on it necessarily. I I, I would still put it, I think, under 50% that he does get moved. I don't think he's, you know, one foot out the door the same way that Kopp and Stasny are. But I would I would definitely put it above, you know, 10, 20%. Like, I think there is a legitimate chance that, that Kevin Chevalier scours the market. And if there's a team that is really, really high on him, you might have to just take the assets that you get for Brendan Dillon. And who knows, maybe you don't even miss a whole lot, right? Like if, if Sandberg or Hainala come into that spot too, and with Stanley playing better over these past few games, maybe you don't miss a beat and you get decent play for a quarter of the cost, right? So that would be the benefit for the Winnipeg Jets making that move 
right now. I don't think it's extremely likely, but I think it's certainly, certainly within the realm of possibility here. So, I mean, that pretty much does it when it comes to Jets heading out the door. But that doesn't mean the Winnipeg Jets could be done doing business at the trade deadline, right? I mean, even if you're a team that sells off your pending free agent forwards, it doesn't mean that you can't make moves to help your team in the present and the future too on top of it, right? I mean, there's a chance here the Winnipeg Jets could grab a couple of assets that they can use for both this season, next season, and, and maybe a few years after that. And the one name that's popped up as of late, a, a really interesting one that I didn't think would be available, is Dominique Kubelik from the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Winnipeg Jets have been one of the rumored teams to have interest and to have fielded calls about Kubelik and the Edmonton Oilers being amongst them as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised at the conversation and, and, you know, reading into different articles and what people out of Chicago are saying. I'm just really surprised about the, the discourse around Dominic Kubelik because it sounds like Chicago's willing to kind of give him away for nothing, right? Like, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like the ask is extremely high for a guy like Kubelik. Now, I will say this too. If you're trading for Dominic Kubelik, do not expect and do not give up assets for the guy that was scoring 30 goals and, you know, under 70 games in his rookie season with Chicago. I don't think he's that player. I don't think he's going to shoot 19% moving forward if the Winnipeg Jets do acquire him. But even if you look at his past two seasons, you're talking about a guy that's going to score 20 goals for you. And if that's a second, third line option, that's that's a pretty nifty acquisition where you don't have to give up a whole lot if you're the Winnipeg Jets, right? Like, I, I don't know. I'm a little surprised Chicago is looking to sell so quickly on a guy like him. But, hey, maybe it's for the Winnipeg Jets gain here. And and this, the rumored asking price, by the way, is that Chicago is asking for a second-round pick. But it sounds like they're not necessarily uh, <laughs> holding firm on that. And that, you know, maybe if the market dries up, that a third-round pick could even get it done. I mean, if it's a third-round pick... I don't even hesitate right now. I, I'd make that move today. I wouldn't wait till Monday. I, I'd send out a third-round pick for Dominique Kubelik in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? But even if it costs a second-round pick, I would definitely kick the tires on that if I'm the Winnipeg Jets because it would add another name to the mix inside the middle six. And the interesting part of this could be that Say the Jets do move on from Paul Stasny, and they do get a second-round pick from whatever team acquires him. Maybe you can almost look at it in a sense of you're moving Paul Stasny for Dominique Kubelik. You get a second-round pick for Paul Stasny, you ship out a second-round pick for Dominique Kubelik. And you have, you know, an RFA, he will be an RFA after this season. You have a player that can fill in for Paul Stasny this season, and then he's a replacement for him moving forward after that. I mean, that, that that's a pretty solid win-win if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I think. So I I, I do wonder if, if that's kind of how it plays out. Maybe it's not even necessarily, you know, the pick that the Winnipeg Jets acquire for Paul Stasny immediately goes out for Dominique Kubelik. But it, it's an interesting thought, right, that the Jets could, in theory, while not trading Stasny to Chicago, essentially trade Paul Stasny for Dominique Kubelik. I, I wonder if Jets fans would be okay with a move like that. The issue, the one issue I do see with this is, and that would be this. Can you find somebody better than Dominique Kubelik, either in free agency 
or at a similar trade value? I mean, when it comes to trade value, I don't know the answer to that, right? I mean, we don't know who's available that, that kind of fits a similar mold to Tommy Kubalik, but we do know the Jets do struggle in terms of trying to convince players that you know aren't RFAs to come over to Winnipeg and then sign a long-term deal on top of that. Doubly so when it comes to free agency, right? I mean, the, the Jets have, well, well, obviously, always either overpay for guys or try to go bargain shopping sometime in August as opposed to July 1st. So that that's the, the one thing you do have to weigh here is that can you find somebody elsewhere for a similar price point that gives you what Dominique Kubelik gives you? I mean, that that's going to be an interesting discussion for the management team for the Winnipeg Jets. And the other part, too, I guess, is, you know, do you want to give up assets for a guy like Kubelik, who's got a, a tremendous shot, which is always great, but maybe doesn't have the nasty physical element that I think a lot of Jets fans are, are hoping to add into their forward core? There's that part of it, too. Like, There's a number of really, really interesting discussion points when it comes to giving up an asset for an RFA forward like Dominic Kubelik. But this is certainly, certainly one that that I would be, I, I don't want to say I would be all over, but I would be sniffing around big time here if I'm the Winnipeg Jets. If it's a third round pick, again, I'm not hesitating whatsoever and I'd pull the trigger on that. Second round pick, well, you know what, maybe we discuss it and, and, and try to figure out what a potential package might look around that. But another name to watch and... A fun one too. I would I would just like to see the Jets make a trade like that, even if it isn't for a guy like Dominic Kubalik. You know, make a trade that doesn't involve a pending free agent. Get a little bit more creative in terms of trying to find guys that can fit into your forward core. I would love to see them target somebody in that realm because there is a hole for the Jets there, right? Like there is there. They haven't found that Mason Appleton replacement just yet for Adam Lowry, who's been playing lights out over the last month or so. But to find somebody that could help fill that role, play a few more years with the club before they potentially head out on their deal, that that would be that would be an interesting side wrinkle to what's setting up to be a, a pretty, pretty exciting and important trade deadline for the Winnipeg Jets. But that's what we're gonna call it for today's episode. And boy oh boy, is the next one gonna be an absolute doozy. I can't can't wait to get to it. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a long wait because it always feels like the few days before trade deadlines seem to uh, stretch on a little longer than some of the other ones. But that'll do it for today's episode. We'll come back at it obviously Tuesday morning. The main topic is gonna be what the Winnipeg Jets either did or didn't do at the trade deadline and where they sit. Because at that point there will be under twenty games to go in the regular season. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning, breaking down the NHL trade deadline day. Until then, stay safe. Have a happy weekend, everybody. Peace.